0: What's up, everyone? Cole Incheid here. You're listening to Nonstop BS, and today on the show, we have some NFL headlines. The NBA is back from the All-Star break. We have some games to bet on, games to watch. I'm going to be introducing to you guys my first XFL bets, and we are going to be revisiting and entering the AFC North and AFC West on our predicting the 2023 starting quarterbacks. Thanks for listening. Here's the show. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same team's topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context... Just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So, if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Welcome in. You are listening to Nonstop BS, the Nonstop BS podcast. Uh, I'm Cole Lynchide, your host, and today we are going to be going over some headlines in the NFL. Um, here, entering the uh, friend, well, well enter, entering the off season, um, and we're next week we got the combine starting up, so we're going to be having some draft talks and a lot of rumors that'll be um, flourishing, obviously, with players at the combine. Um, we're also going to be revisiting and and uh, going over the AFC North and AFC West as we continue to predict the starting quarterbacks around the NFL for the 2023 NFL season. Um, and then we've got our best bets to finish off the episode for the weekend. Um, that includes the NBA. I have a f- couple bets for the NBA. I have um, a few bets for you guys for the XFL. If anybody's been watching the XFL, it's been pretty pretty good, I feel like, to begin. The ratings weren't exactly what they wanted, but I-, I had fun watching the two games that I've watched so far, so excited about that. Got some bets for you guys for that, and then I have my final bets for, at least I think my final bets for the Palo Casino 400, um, the Cup Series race coming up on Sunday at 2.30 Central Time. Okay, so, oh, and if you guys are not following the podcast yet on Twitter, um, I've been talking about what I've been doing on Twitter with the podcast. Um, If you follow us at nonstop BS pod on Twitter, tomorrow I will be giving out a, um, a promo that I'm doing for the podcast each week. I'll be giving out money to anybody who retweets my post um, shows proof of subscribing and rating uh, rating and reviewing the podcast and picks their winner for the outright of the Palo casino 400 um, and anyone who does all that and wins will get free money. It's completely free. I'm doing it for show content and so that we can engage with each other. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy that and take, uh, take part in it. Okay. Um, to begin the episode today, Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, and Zach Cunningham, amongst others, were released from the Titans. Uh, we talked about this. I talked about this on on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on the podcast, and I, I said that the this was coming basically for the Titans. Um, they were entering the off season. They were twenty three million dollars over the cap. Um, these moves obviously helped them a ton with that. And but but it's also, I mean, this shows that there's a, a change of the guard um, for the Titans. They uh, the this team has been a team that they've been building ever since Mike Vrabel's been there over the last six, seven seasons. Um, and the, a lot, I mean, Taylor Lewan, a massive key piece for the Titans over the last decade. Uh, he's been a one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's struggled with a couple injuries, a couple torn ACLs over the past few seasons. Um, he, he's a, a just, it's a massive loss for the locker room for the Titans, and you know, if he can stay healthy, he's still been a pretty productive tackle. He is um, j- past the age of thirty, and and he is entering—I mean, entering that that time, uh, the period of time in in an NFL player's life where you start to hit a wall, typically. But he may have some years left um, as he's entering his tenth year in the NFL. Um, but obviously, a massive loss for the Titans. They had to do it. They saved fourteen million dollars with that cut. Uh, they also released Robert Woods. Robert Woods, a receiver they brought in to kind of um, help supplement the receivers last year, didn't really work out too great for Robert Woods. Um, but he—he, he, I mean, he—he he was a good player. Robert Woods is also a guy who's kind of nearing the end. So it's it, the the Titans are clearly showing here they're going to get rid of veterans that have these high money contracts, and they're going to try to, um, as I said before, competitively rebuild this team. Um, as they have a lot of a lot of a lot of guys in this situation with a lot of money that they can save by releasing them. So, um, obviously, it's probably some... Especially the Taylor Lewan move, is it's a big move for, for Titans fans, and it's it's showing a new era in Tennessee. But uh, this also goes to show that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ryan Tannehill. I, I said last week I predict that they restructure his deal, that he does end up coming back. Um, I think these cuts kind of... And I don't know if it says that that's what they're going to do, but it definitely shows that that's not priority number one was trying to figure out what happens with Tannehill. They're gonna work on something with Tannehill. I think that he's gonna be back at starting quarterback. And these these cuts are showing that there's other people, other players that are easier to get rid of than Ryan Tannehill for the Titans this year. Um, Vance Joseph hired as Broncos defensive coordinator, uh, which is really interesting because four years ago he was um, the head coach of the Denver Broncos. You don't usually see that, and it was definitely a surprise, um, but for most people that he was even interested in becoming the Broncos defensive coordinator job or the Broncos defensive coordinator. But I think personally that the only way that Vance Joseph does this and makes this move is if he thinks that this is going to vault him into a head coaching position eventually. And it really couldn't be much better of a situation. The Broncos defense overall was good last year, but they also kind of, I feel like we're dragged down by how bad the offense was They have a lot of really good young talent, Uh, guys like Justin Simmons, um, guys like Patrick Sertain, uh, some really good linebackers, Josie Jewell, um, and and plenty of other guys that they have to build around on defense still, and he's going to be teamed up with Sean Payton as the offensive coordinator, Russell Wilson as the quarterback. We'll see how that goes. They have a lot of talent on offense, though, that underwhelmed last year Uh, when you look at their receivers, running backs. Um, although there was a report as well that Javante Williams' recovery may take more time than expected. So that'll be something that'll be interesting to watch. He's a key piece to the offense, uh, entering his third year in the NFL. So, um, but, but regardless, Vance Joseph is in a great position to rebound a defense that has a ton of talent on a team that has a ton of talent. So, And, and he also is under Sean Payton, who is one of the most proven uh, head coaches in the NFL, um, so there's no there's no power struggle here. There's nothing where Vance Joseph feels like he should be the head coach of this team, um, at least at this point. Obviously, because Sean Payton is such a fantastic coach and a really good leader. I'm not a big fan of him, but he is a fantastic head coach. And I think Vance I think I think that's where Vance Joseph. That's why this Broncos defensive coordinator job stuck out as a really good opportunity for him. And so he kind of um, hit his ego, and and I think it's a good move for him. So they're very interesting, though, obviously. And then also the Rams release Bobby Wagner. We're starting to see a lot of these guys start to get cut. Teams are starting to shave down their, their cap number and and prepare for free agency. So it's going to be interesting to see how many how many free of these guys get cut and who ends up getting cut. Bobby Wagner cut by the Rams after one season, a uh, super underwhelming season for the Rams as well. So not a surprise there at all. Matt Nagy replaces Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy, as we talked about um, in the first episode, uh, went over to the Washington Commanders as their offensive coordinator. Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs before he was the Chicago Bears head coach and came back as quarterback's coach uh, last year after being fired by the Bears. Um, and, I mean, Matt Nagy enters the also cushy offensive coordinator position for uh, Andy Reid we'll see if it ends up any different it'll be really interesting to see if it ends up any different for him than Eric Bieniemy. I think Matt Nagy is a I, I thought he was a good head coach for the Bears I thought that he wasn't really the main issue I mean there was obviously it, he obviously didn't do a fantastic job with Chicago after a great year one they go 12 and 4 and get in the playoffs. Um but, but they were pretty underwhelming with back-to-back eight and eight seasons and then a complete failure of a, failure of a season his last year. Um, but I, I feel like he's somebody who definitely will and does deserve a second chance. We'll see if that works out any different for him as Chiefs offensive coordinator as than it did for Eric Bien-Aimé, uh who has struggled to get any sort of head coaching opportunity um, being the Chiefs offensive coordinator. So I, I think that's super interesting. A guy that Another guy becomes the Chiefs offensive coordinator who I think will be an, an NFL head coach someday. And so we'll see how long it takes him. Okay. Not too many main headlines. Those are just some that I wanted to go over um, that happened since the last podcast that I thought were a little bit interesting. But we're, we're still quite a bit of ways, quite a ways away from the main headlines starting um, as the new league year begins here in mid-March. Okay, let's jump right into our predicting the starting quarterbacks um AFC North and AFC West division. Couldn't really come up with a great name for this segment, but predicting the starting quarterbacks of 2023 around the NFL. <laughs> okay. AFC North is where we're going to start today. Um I am going to say like the, a lot of these are pretty boring. So I, we'll just kind of I kind of also want to just go over quarterbacks and give you guys information on them if you're not like super into the NFL and watch all these guys on a day-to-day basis, we can kind of go over the positions that each of these teams are in as well as predicting you know, what their quarterback is. We'll kind of give you their quarterback situation um, if it's not so interesting as to who the quarterback will be. So starting off with the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, Joe Burrow is their starting quarterback. They drafted him in 2020, the first overall pick. Uh, he was hurt his first year in the NFL. And the last two years, he brought them to a Super Bowl in 2021, a Super Bowl loss to the Rams, and then last year brought them back to the AFC Championship, and they ended up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who eventually won the Super Bowl. Burrow, over the last two years, has passed for over 4,400 passing yards and 34 touchdowns, uh, has a passer rating of over 100 in both seasons, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, And he's going to be looking, as he exits his third year, uh, of his rookie contract, he's going to be looking to cash in big time this offseason. Um, that's going to be the main storyline, I guess, with the Bron- with the Bengals' uh, quarterback situation, is what type of contract and what market uh, Joe Burrow sets. Uh, a lot of people are talking that it's going to be clear over $50 million and main near the $60 million range, which is insane, but that's just where the quarterback market is right now for uh, one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL um okay next we'll move over to the Cleveland Browns which um quarterback situation not in question at at all with the Cleveland Browns Deshaun Watson who they traded for um last season I feel like you had to live in a complete bubble to not hear and know who Deshaun Watson is and the situation that was going on last year with them um You know, I mean, he was the Houston Texans quarterback drafted in 2017, same year as Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Was fantastic. Um, Not so much as a rookie, but his third or his second through fourth year, uh, he passed for, he had 103, 98, 112 passer rating. Uh, With his final season with the Texans in 2020, he passed for 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions near 5,000 yards. Um, One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL before the incidents happened, Um, the massage therapy sessions that Deshaun Watson infamously is known for by most people, even if you're not a massive football fan. Um, And in 2021, he sat out the whole year as the Texans were trying to trade him. They were trying to trade him before all that came out. He was then traded to the Cleveland Browns. Browns gave him a massive, uh, completely guaranteed contract, and he was suspended the first 11 games last year. He came back for the remaining six games of their season. And he was pretty underwhelming. Not the Deshaun Watson we've normally seen. Uh, Prior to that, he averaged over 270 passing yards a game. Um, And and he averaged 183 passing yards uh, in his six games he's played with the Browns so far. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 79 uh, passer rating. So the big question for the Browns is, as Deshaun Watson exits a lot of the public eye for his infamy and and his case that's going on. Uh, the big question is going to be are they going to get the same Deshaun Watson that the Houston Texans had before they ended up trading him or is this going to completely affect and and ruin Deshaun's career? Uh, I, I don't see that happening. I think a year into the Deshaun Watson a year in, a complete offseason with Deshaun Watson in the system and warming up, as he did at the end of the season last year, in the system, in Kevin Stefanski's system, I think Deshaun Watson's going to rebound quite a bit this year and turn and turn back into a definite top-ten quarterback in the NFL. Okay, moving on to the Baltimore Ravens. And here's where it gets a little bit interesting in the AFC North. There were reports this week that Lamar Jackson um, is as close... The, the Ravens are as close to... Uh, a trade as close to trading Lamar Jackson as they have ever been now what does that really mean i don't know they've never been close to trading Lamar Jackson before this offseason so <laughs> it's kind of the way it was worded it's it's not it doesn't really mean as much to me as a lot of people are making it out to but it is interesting that this is the first time that we're hearing from anyone that i believe is on the ravens side uh, here reporting it's coming from somebody in the Ravens brass or down through somebody in the Ravens brass. It is interesting that we're hearing now that it's a possibility, you know, even, even a possibility that the Ravens would entertain trading Lamar Jackson. I mean, we've all kind of known this the fact that he's entering we're, we're three weeks away from Lamar Jackson being a unrestricted free agent. It's, it's getting down to that time where something's got to happen and it's crazy that it's come to this point, but I still, as I've, think I said before, and it probably kind of spoiled this, I still see Lamar Jackson returning to the Baltimore Ravens. I think that they're going to franchise tag him, which is where this discussion came from before, now I'm remembering. Um, I think they're going to exclusively franchise tag him, and I think they're going to force themselves and to, to come to a compromise with Lamar Jackson. I, I, don't, I don't think they want to continue down this path of franchising franchising him every year that that number gets bigger and bigger every single season that they don't come to a long come to an agreement on a long-term deal with him um and I, and I think the sides are probably closer I don't think they're obviously necessarily super close otherwise this deal would be done but I think they're closer than a lot of people are thinking I think the Ravens are willing to give Lamar a massive deal I just don't think they want to give him as much guaranteed money as Lamar Jackson wants. And it could be a years thing too. I think the years the years on the contract are probably a way bigger issue than anybody's really talked about. When you think about how physical like I talked about last week or on the last episode, when you think about how physical of a quarterback and physical of a player Lamar Jackson is, and usually those type of players think about Cam Newton don't last nearly as long as the pocket passing quarterback. I think the that Lamar may want more years on his contract with guaranteed money than the Ravens want to give him. So, if they can come to an agreement on like a 3-4 year deal, I feel like they got to be they they got to be able to come up with something. I mean, the Ravens love Lamar Jackson. The Ravens definitely value Lamar Jackson a ton. I went over last week how massive he is in terms of this team's success since they've drafted Lamar Jackson. To me, there's no way that this doesn't happen. I think this is going to turn out to be one of those storylines that we talk, talk, talk until we're blue in the face and then nothing happens and Lamar Jackson signs a long-term deal with the Ravens before the beginning of the 2023 season. So that's where I see it going. Um, Okay, last team in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, This one's Obviously pretty obvious as well. Uh, the Ravens drafted um, Kenny Pickett last year in the first round of the 2022 draft. He started the season on the bench, but was soonly, or quickly replaced Mitch Trubisky as the starting quarterback. Um, Pickett struggled early on, but he really, down the stretch, played a lot better and showed massive improvement really quickly. And when you put Kenny Pickett into an offense that has... Najee Harris, uh, George Pickens, who played really well last year, Deontay Johnson, a really good receiver, and a defense that is pretty loaded uh, with Mike Tomlin as a head coach. I mean, really, you couldn't ask for much better of a situation for a rookie quarterback. So I, I see Kenny Pickett taking a massive improvement this year, taking a massive step up this year. Um, and I, I think Kenny Pickett is going to turn into one of those young, really promising, kind of similar to a Trevor Lawrence-type season uh, this year I'm not not sure Kenny Pickett's the exact type of player and has the exact skill set that Trevor Lawrence does but man is he in a better situation than Trevor Lawrence has been in um that's just to me that's a really good comparison as to what type of season I'm expecting out of Kenny Pickett I think the Steelers are gonna be improved this year they won I believe it was six of their lo- remaining game of their last games of the season uh, after starting out let's see let's get this exactly right because I obviously did a bad job of prepping for this. Um, for the, the Steelers. Yeah, they won their last four games of the season after they started, well, they started the season two and six, they ended out nine and eight. So, I mean, seven and two over the last uh, nine games of the season and winning their last four against the Carolina Panthers, Las Vegas Raiders, Baltimore Ravens, uh, and Cleveland Browns. So, um, you know, the Steelers are going to be a really fun team. They're really young. They're going to be a really fun team this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of a leap Kenny Pickett is able to take. Okay, let's move right on over to the AFC West, which, again, is, like I said, these both these divisions this week, not the most exciting ones to talk about, like new quarterbacks or they're in a, a rebuild at quarterback or they're trying to figure out who their quarterback is. I mean, you start off simply with the Denver Broncos, and they're locked in, locked and loaded, locked into Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback. Um, Russell Wilson signed or was traded to the Broncos last year, and immediately signed a massive deal with the Broncos. Um, And then the Broncos, after being, um, I believe it was the sixth highest favorite, the sixth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl um, before the season last year, ended up finishing 5-11 on the season. Russell Wilson was statistically, and just if you watched him, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, He threw for three. 3,524 yards, completed 60% of his passes, threw for 16 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, uh, with a quarterback rating or a passer rating of 84.4. Uh, just to let you know, touchdowns, yards, and passer rating. Um, outside of seasons where he was injured for part of the year, um, that was career lows in. Uh, it was career lows in passer rating and touchdowns by a long shot. I mean, it was it was an it was a terrible season for Russ Wilson. And a lot of even the stats I think that he did put up were well, I know, they were at the end of the year and it was a lot of stat padding because um the Broncos were in games that really didn't mean anything anymore and Russ just kind of let loose. Uh the Broncos are looking for massive improvements this year. That's why they brought Sean Payton in as their head coach. Um, they have a lot of talent, as I talked about when we were talking about Vance Joseph and why he came to this team. They have a lot of talent on offense and defense. I mean, there's no way that this team shouldn't make a massive leap. They're in a tough division and, and that's that's part of it. The AFC is super tough. But I mean this Broncos team, when you talk about the quarterback and and, and the whole, the weapons on offense, the defense, the defense played really well last year and and they're really young and they have a lot of room to grow. If Russell Wilson turns back and Sean Payton can mold him back into the quarterback that he was, or even even a, a fraction of the quarterback that he was with Seattle, the Broncos should take a massive step forward and should be a playoff team in 2023. So, I mean, obviously that's going to be a, a a massive headline and and um, something a mass. It's going to be a uh, Huge thing to watch in the 2023 season is how Russell, what Russell Wilson does. Is he going to be the same guy that he was in Seattle when the Broncos traded for him? Okay, next team is the L.A. Chargers. Again, boring. Justin Herbert. Um, Justin Herbert was drafted uh, sixth o- or fifth overall in the 2020 draft, um, and he has been outstanding ever since he touched the football field. Uh, the Chargers have you know, obviously (laughs) underwhelmed since he's been at quarterback, but it hasn't been uh, on the shoulder of Justin Herbert. It's been because of a lot of really suspect coaching decisions by both the head coaches that he's had in his young career and a lot of struggles with injuries and deep and defensive play um, in the beginning of Herbert's career by the, by the chargers, a lot of injuries. This team suffers a massive amount of injuries every single season they really, if they can overcome that, I mean, this team is just as talented as about any team in the NFL. Um, and they're going to be looking to make the leap. They finally made the playoffs with Justin Herbert last year and then gave up a massive lead that they had on the Jaguars in the wild card round and lost in the wild card round. So Chargers are looking to take a massive step forward. Justin Herbert will be their starting quarterback. He will also be looking to get a massive deal, <laughs> saying massive a lot. He will also be looking to get a get a huge deal, though, uh, very similar to Joe Burrow's. Um, Kansas State Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's on a 10-year contract. He is the face of the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. There's no argument to that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, everybody knows who he is. I don't really need to talk about it very much in this segment. And finishing off... The AFC West is the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders have had Derek Carr as their quarterback since the 2014 season when they drafted him in the second round. Um, Derek Carr has been a good quarterback for them, a uh, really good quarterback, but he hasn't really <coughs> he hasn't really been able to get them over the leap. He hasn't only made the playoffs with them once se- or two seasons, um, and they lost in the wild card round in both seasons. He was injured and wasn't able to play his first time in the playoffs, but um they really they end up releasing Derek Carr. It's been a main storyline. We talked about it in the first two episodes. Um, and now they're stuck with Jarrett Stidham and pretty much a bunch of nothing. I I think the Raiders are are stuck. I mean I draft position wise, this team is not in a position to without trading away a ton of stock and a ton of draft picks and a ton of assets that they have, they're not in a great position to try to trade up for either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Uh they're sitting at the seventh overall pick. Um, but they're all they're they're in a position to be able to draft a quarterback. I I think that personally, Jarrett Stidham is going to be their starting quarterback week one. Um, but I do see them targeting Anthony Richardson. Uh, will they get him or not? I'm not sure. I also don't think Anthony Richardson's a starting quarterback in the NFL from day one, so that's why Jarrett Stidham, one way or another, I think is going to be their starting quarterback because there's just not enough faces to fill. I mean, to fill this team. And there was also a report that Josh McDaniels um, came out and said this week that they don't really have an exact plan in mind when when asked about replacing Derek Carr which is insane to me. I mean, I already I already kind of beat this one <laughs> in the first episode uh, with how I, much of a mistake I feel like it was for the Raiders to just release Derek Carr and to go down this path at this point, um, and that I think it's going to end up being a disaster in, in Las Vegas with a team that they've invested a lot into. Um, but I... I I see the Raiders getting Anthony Richardson as the most likely situation, but Jarrett Stidham being their day-one starter. Stidham did play last year, the last two games of the season, and was pretty played pretty well, honestly, for them. Um, after they kind of made the decision to go in a different direction from Derek Carr this year, uh, Derek Carr decided to stay away from the team, and Stidham came in and played the last two games of the season, which was actually insane as well because they were still – um, not out of playoff contention, <laughs> and that th- and that adds even more into how messed up this whole decision with Derek Carr has been. Um, I don't know. It just it bothers me a lot, and I think it's gonna, like I said, gonna be a complete failure for the Raiders. But uh, getting back to Stidham, though, last year in the in the two games that he started, um, he passed and, and just his season stats because he did play a few snaps, I guess, in other games as well. Uh, six hundred fifty-six yards. Um, Four touchdowns, three interceptions, 89.2 passer rating. He's a young guy. He was with um, Josh McDaniels on the Patriots as well. Um, So we'll see. I mean, he could be a a good bridge quarterback. He looked like a bridge quarterback when he played for them last year. So um, if they get Anthony Richardson, like I kind of, like I think they're who, like I think is who they're targeting then it'll be interesting to see how long Stidham can hold him off and what he can do with this offense with Devontae Adams, uh, depending on what they do at running back. Um, but a, a good defense too with Max Crosby as a pass rusher. Uh, a lot, a lot of question marks with the Raiders though. So right now I am predicting Jared, Jared Stidham will be their starting quarterback week one though. Nothing too exciting there. It's just a complete failure. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take a little break here, and uh, we'll be back with our best bets going into the weekend. All right, we're back. So to start off here for the best bets this weekend, um, I'm going to start off with the XFL, and I'm going to give you my bets in the XFL. Then we'll go over the NBA. I've got two bets for you guys, as I mentioned, for um, NBA games that are taking a place. I guess it would be tonight when you're listening to this in the Saturday games, um, I, I really don't like giving away NBA bets very far ahead of time. So please, if you guys want to follow my NBA bets, most of them, um, spread wise, especially, I'm gonna give them out on Twitter. I have been giving them out on Twitter. I'll continue to do that. Um, my Twitter account is at Lynchide Cole. That's at l i n s c h e i d c o l e. Um, and I post every single NBA bet that I would give out and will give out on the podcast, along with more on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of injuries and a lot of players that kind of, that also just take the night off, uh, in the NBA and it's really hard to predict. And that's why I don't like betting NBA games very much ahead of time, unless, you know, it's going to be a premier matchup or a game that's on ESPN, ABC, uh, TNT where players are not allowed to just sit out for no reason, unless there's an injury. So if it's a game like that, I'll be more willing to give out bets or in certain situations I will, where I really like the number, but Otherwise, um, please follow me on Twitter because I give them out about an hour or two before the games usually start uh, every night. But And then we'll finish it up, obviously, as well with the, um, with the Palo Casino 400 uh, bets that I have that I'm going to be giving out. And you can follow on Twitter as well for those. Okay, starting off with the XFL tomorrow night, we have a game. We had a game last night, too. I did actually win that bet. I posted that one on Twitter um, I bet the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks um, plus four and a half, and they ended up winning by two over the Seattle Sea Dragons. If you guys have not been watching the XFL, this is the week two um, of the XFL season. There's an eight uh, eight week season, and then or a ten week season. I'm sorry. There's eight teams in the XFL, um, so four games each week between the eight teams. There's two divisions, and then and there's a ten week season, and then there'll be a four team playoff um, that will take place in the end of April, um, from April 29th till May 20 May 13th is the date of the championship. So, week two here, young in the season, uh, DC Defenders at the Las Vegas Vipers tomorrow night. Um, the DC Defenders are Owen. The DC Defenders and Las Vegas Vipers are Owen one coming into this game. Uh, this game's a 6 p.m tilt central time uh, 7 p.m Eastern. the Vipers are favored by three right now um, and they're favored three three and a half depending on what book you're looking at. Um, I thought the Vi- I thought the Vipers played really well against Arlington they had a lead early on 14 to three um, and I, I thought they played really well and I think they're a really good team. Um, I actually have a future position on them as well to win the championship at plus 700. So I I think this is a super talented team, and I like them by three in this game, minus 110. That's the best number out there right now. Um, I already bet that, so go ahead and and find it if you you can in any of your books. I, I believe it's still available. I put it in shortly before I started the podcast here on Friday night, so hopefully it's still available for you guys. But I like them by three um not so much by three and a half I, I think that these games are unless you're really sure it's hard to bet a favorite by over three right now in the xfl uh in week two these teams are super unpredictable and some of the, most of these bets honestly are just for fun so really really low amounts of money i'm putting one unit on it on the on this bet but yeah just keep it be relative to the fact that these teams are brand new and this is the second week of their season okay also, then on Sunday, we have two games, one at 3 p.m. Central Time and one at 6 p.m. Central Time. The first at 3 p.m. is the San Antonio Brahmas uh, at the Orlando Guardians. Um, and I like the Gu- – the Brahmas are favored by 3.5 right now at most books. Um, I have less of a lean on this one, but I lean Orlando Guardians at uh, plus 3.5. Um I just think it's too much separation, too much reaction off of week one. The guardians obviously lost pretty bad to the Houston roughnecks week one. Um, they lost 33 to 12 and the Brahmas lost by only three to the Battlehawks. But I think you're going to find that, um, obviously week one, a lot of funky things can happen. Like I said, these are, that was the first time any of these teams have played together ever, uh, coaching, coaching staffs, players, everything. So, it's just a massive overreaction for two teams that lost their first game, and the Brahmins are over a field goal favorite. Uh, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. So a slight lean toward the Guardians. I have it right now. I'll probably play it at a half unit. Um, so a really small bet on, on the Guardians plus three and a half. And then the final game on Sunday at 6 p.m. is the Arlington Renegades at the Houston Roughnecks. The Houston, The Roughnecks had obviously that big win against Orlando last week. Um, they're the favorite in the market right now to win the the XFL championship, but Arlington with Bob Stoops, as head coach played really, really well came back. I don't think Arlington's nearly as talented as the roughnecks. And as a couple of, I don't even think they're as talented as the Vipers who they beat in week one. But, um, right now the renegade or the roughnecks are a five point favorite, um, over Arlington. So, that's a, I mean, that like I, like I just said, that's a massive overreaction to week one of these unpredictable teams, and Bob Stoops is probably the best coach, in my opinion, in the XFL. I love a team getting five points in week two of the XFL season. I think that's absolutely ridiculous and a number that is going to um, be corrected. Not that that bet will win at, at, by any means, for sure. Um, it's super unpredictable. But getting five points with an XFL team right now as Bob Stoops, is head coach, that is way too good to pass up on. That's my best, my absolute best bet in the XFL. I also like the total. The total in this game is jacked up a little bit. Most of these totals are 37-38 in these games uh, in week one. They were around in that range. Um, the, clocks, the clock does not stop. If you're watching these games, incomplete pass, clock keeps going. Um, They pause until the offenses are set um, when they get a first down, and then they obviously pause after change of possession, stuff like that, commercial breaks, timeouts, all that. But besides that, the clock does not stop moving. So totals are lower in these games, obviously. This total sits right now at 40 at most books, Um, and I'm going to play also for a unit. The under 40 uh, minus 110 is the best number that I can find right now, so... Like the total, and I like the Renegades catching five points uh, at the Roughnecks on Sunday night. Okay, moving over to the NBA, um, two games that I like, as I said, for Saturday evening. The first one is the Celtics that are the Celtics taking on the um, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Celtics right now on the road are a one point favorite. Total is two twenty seven. Um, both teams are expected to play pretty much their whole lineups right now. The only player that's announced out is Dwayne Dedman for the 76ers. But both these teams are pretty healthy um, and this is honestly a premier matchup in the in the Eastern Conference. Uh, two of the top three seeds in the East, the Celtics right now 43 and 17, Sixers 39 and 19. The Sixers at home against the spread right now are 22 and 10. Um, and the Celtics on the road are 14 14 and one um, as an underdog the Celtics are nine and six and then their last game their last 10 games for both teams they're both seven and three against the spread um, sixers are 35 and 23 against the spread this season the Celtics slightly worse 32 27 and one they're also looked at as a better team by the market by quite by a significant amount um, to the sixers so this is obviously a pretty pretty decently lined game, but I think that this number is going to drop because the Sixers have played really well at home. Obviously, they're one of the best home teams against the spread in the NBA. As I just read, 22-10, and 10, that's a ridiculous number. Um, and I, I think this number is going to drop, and I think the Sixers are going to end up being a favorite. So if you can still get their money line at what I'm getting it at right now and what I'm about to bet it at right now at plus 100, that is going to be one of my best bets in the NBA for tomorrow. Um, and I think that the, these teams are... The Celtics are a better team, but the Sixers have been really hot. The Celtics just had a big overtime win um, on Thursday night uh, against the Pacers, in which they came back um, right at the end, put it into overtime, and then won. Um, I think the Celtics also are more confident in what they can do and don't have don't have as much to prove right now, coming off the All Star break as, this, as the as the as the Seventy Sixers do. So I see the Sixers being really motivated, ha- having the home crowd backing them up. They they play unbelievable at home. I like the Sixers as a dog as long as you can get them as a dog uh, in that game tomorrow night or in that game on Saturday night. The other game that I like right now, the number actually just moved as I'm talking about it. So I'm guessing it's going to be hard for you guys to get this number. It's already moved quite a bit since it opened, but it's the Denver Nuggets taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies coming off of a loss um, on Thursday night as well. They played the Sixers. They were the ones who played the Sixers at home. Um, lost 110 to 105 the listen the, the Grizzlies are a completely different team on the home or at home versus being on the road um, they're 17 11 and one at home. they're 26 30 and two overall against the spread this year so losing record against the spread overall but 17 11 and one at home. I mean this team is just different at home. They're completely healthy. they also feel like they have a ton to prove right now. Uh, The Nuggets and the Suns with Kevin Durant coming over to the Western Conference are the two clear favorites in the West. But the Grizzlies are a really cocky team. They're going to want this game really bad. Jamal Murray right now is questionable for the game. All that being said, and I think that's why the numbers already moved the way it has as the Nuggets opened as a a 1.5-point favorite. I like the Grizzlies at minus 1.5, a a a 1.5-point favorite. At home, um, right now the number just moved to 2, so I bet it at 1.5. If you can get it all the way to 2.5, I like it. Um, but I mean, anything over two and a half and we're getting a little bit crazy. I I mean, the Nuggets still possibly will have Jamal Murray, depending on what happens tomorrow. Um, and outside of that, their lineup is completely healthy and they're one of the best teams in the complete, in the whole NBA. So, um, another really good game, but I do like the Grizzlies, um, as a one and a half to two, two and a half point favorite, if you can get it. So. One and a half is going to be my official play. That's what I got it at. That's what it was when I started the podcast, and I'm going to give it to you guys. Um, But I also like two as well. So, okay. Finishing up here with my Casino 400 NASCAR Cup Series bets. I have quite a few of them. We gave out Brad Keselowski for a half unit at 50-1 to to win the race um, on the podcast on, on Wednesday morning. Um... But more lines have opened, and I have some more bets. So we're going to bet a total of three units on outright winners. Um, And the next one that I'm going to give out, also for a half a unit, is Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez was leading this race last year, um, even through a lot of adversity. He bumped the wall with about 15 laps to go. Um, came back, like I said, and was leading the race with a couple laps to go and then just did not have the car that Kyle Larson had who won the race last year. Um, But Suarez raced raced really well at this track, and Suarez is a a driver that improved a lot throughout the season last year. Um, I think that he still is kind of not being respected the way that he should be by the market, and I think that he has a really good shot of finishing in the top 10, top 5, and even a decent shot, a way better shot than his number to win the race. Right now, he's at 50 to 1 at one book. Uh, He's at 40 and 35 to 1 at other books. So if you can find him at the 50 to 1 number um, when you hear this podcast, I love Daniel Suarez at 50 to 1. We're going to put a half unit on that. I also am going to put a half a unit on Alex Bowman. Hendrick cars typically run really well at California, at Fontana. Um, Alex Bowman won this race in 2020, the second to last time that they uh, raced at this racetrack. And last year, Alex Bowman raced really well in in the race but ended up wrecking um having some issues at the end of the race so it, obviously the finishing position isn't what really tell, told the story for Alex Bowman last year um and and like i said Kyle Larson um Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman were running in the top five with 20 laps to go in the race last year. And Hendrick cars have a really good track record at this race. Alex Bowman, we're going to put a half unit on him at 20 to one as well. Um, and then the last half unit bet that we have on outrights is Austin Sindrick at 80 to one. Um, another guy last year in his rookie season, um, after winning the Daytona 500 was in the top five, um, with under 15 laps to go. Uh, I I think I think Austin Cindric is somebody that's going to take a big leap forward this year. He ran really well at Daytona again, um and I think 81 is just another ridiculous number. There's a lot of lines in NASCAR that are not as smart as a lot of other sports that you're going to bet because not a lot of people, not nearly as many people as almost any other sport on a sports book, um not nearly as many people bet into NASCAR uh markets as they do other other markets. So you can get a lot of really good, mar- really good numbers, especially early on in the year, before you really start to figure out who's got the really good equipment, good pick crews, and who's going to race really, who's going to consistently race well throughout the year. Okay, my final outright play that I'm going to give. So we've got Austin Sindrick at eighty to one for a half unit, Alex Bowman twenty to one for a half unit, Suarez fifty to one for a half unit, and last week Kesla or early this week Keselowski at fifty to one or at fifty to one for a half unit. And the final play for one unit is Chase Elliott at eight to one. Um, Chase Elliott races really well here every single time. And like I said, with the Hendrick cars, I'm going to be backing a lot of Hendrick cars at this track pretty much every time we come here. Um, and I just think Chase Elliott is going to be really hungry to get a win at this track. He had the best car, arguably. I think he had the best car though, last year when they were at, um, at California. So I think Chase Elliott's really hungry coming into the year in general. And this is a track that he feels like he should have won last year. Uh, I had a little Hendrick, uh, um, competition and, and fight that went on in the race. You have to look that up if you didn't see it last year between him and Kyle Larson. Larson ended up winning the race. Uh, I see Chase Elliott as having probably the best chance of winning this race, so 8-1 to one on Chase Elliott, uh, and we're going to get some sort of a good return as long as one of those five drivers win the race. Okay, three more plays for the race. I like a top-10 tw- top finish for Brad Keselowski as well at plus 250. As I said, over the last six times they've raced here, um, before last year, Kozlowski's finished in the top ten every single time in the top five, five out of six times. Uh, a top ten at plus 250, I feel like, is a great bet. So I'm going to put two units on that play. I'm also going to put a unit on Eric Jones, who runs well here also. He got finished third in the race last year in his breakout season with, Richard, with Petty GMS Motorsports. Um, a top ten for Eric Jones is plus 115. One unit on that. And then also I like one matchup at this point. I may give out some more uh, on Sunday, so be watching my Twitter account as well for that. Um, But Kyle Busch, minus 114, versus Ryan Blaney. Kyle Busch uh, Busch, had a fantastic race car in both the first two races. In the Daytona 500, um, he had a really fast race car. And he had definitely the best race car in L.A. when they raced at the Coliseum. Um, and I think that, I think Kyle Bush is going to have a great year. I really just do. And I think Ryan Blaney, um, is being pretty much even odds with Ryan Blaney. I'm going to take Kyle Bush almost every single time, uh, barring something crazy happening in practice. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take Kyle Bush almost every single time against Ryan Blaney. So it's just, it, it's, to me, it's It's a number that, a lot of, I think the sports book, sports books really because Ryan Blaney was so consistent last year, um, but yet never won a race and really struggled at the ends of races a lot. I think the sports books value Ryan Blaney a lot more than they probably should. Um, So I'm going to definitely, I'm going to like to take a lot of people probably versus Ryan Blaney, especially really good drivers that are, that are looked at as the same as Ryan Blaney. So Kyle Busch minus 114 versus Ryan Blaney. Okay, I'm going to round that out. I'm going to repeat my bets one more time for you guys. We like the Grizzlies minus one and a half against the Nuggets tomorrow night or on Saturday night. We like the Sixers money line plus plus 100 uh, for a unit against the Celtics on Saturday night in the XFL. We like the Vipers minus three, uh, the Guardians plus three and a half. The Renegades plus five, and the total in the the Renegades and Roughnecks game under forty, and then in the race we have on top of the plays that we gave out last podcast we have Chase Elliott for one unit at eight to one, Austin Sindrick at eighty to one half a unit, Alex Bowman at twenty to one half a half unit, and Daniel Suarez at fifty to one half a half unit, Keselowski two plus two fifty for a top ten. Eric Jones, plus 115 for a top 10. And Kyle Busch versus Ryan Blaney, minus 114. Okay, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, If you can rate, review, and subscribe, I would really appreciate it. Tell a friend who you think would be interested in the podcast. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to you guys taking part in the activities and the um, competition that I'm going to be posting on Twitter tomorrow um, for the Palo Casino 400. Um, and enjoy watching the NBA and the XFL this weekend. A lot of fun sports. The NFL season's over, but this is really the weekend where everything comes back um, outside of football, and we we get a lot of a lot of fun sports. So, looking forward to all that. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll catch you next time on Wednesday morning here on Nonstop BS. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where I was what I was doing you know what we did it we moved on and